on this episode of AV Week, AVISPL buys SKC, looking at digital signage upgrades in the AV industry and resigning in AV. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 538, recorded Friday, December 10th, 2021. Flyover Country. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron and by Sure. Sound Extraordinary. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us, to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, God lover Charmaine Torella. From Varex joining us from the uh, the highly coveted um, Varex uh, holiday party. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Very good. Awesome. Uh, also, also with us, uh, I'll go by by order of people I've met in person. I guess uh, we'll, we'll we'll work it that way. Uh, first and foremost, Mr. Paul Dexter. Paul is from JetBuilt. I met him in Orlando first and foremost at, at Infocom this year. Uh, but then we got to hang out in London uh, for the AV Awards this uh, this year as well. So welcome, sir. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it was fantastic to meet you and spend that time in London. And, uh, and Merry Christmas as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Max Johnson comes to us from our buddies over NSCA. Uh, I'm trusting uh, my good friend Tom LeBlanc, uh, who said, yeah, I got to have Max on. So if, <laughs> if Max is horrible, send the, uh, the uh, emails to uh, Tom LeBlanc at NSCA. So welcome, sir. Thank you very much, Tim. And hopefully we can change not meeting in person or maybe we can meet in person in February. Dude, you're in Cedar Rapids, you know, <laughs> like for those of you outside of the country, outside of the U.S., that's a bit like going to like left of Siberia, right? It's Yeah, yeah. Joke. If you've seen the movie Cedar Rapids, it's very similar to that. So, yeah, well, if you've seen Field of Dreams, you've seen Cedar Rapids, right? There you go. That, that actually is better. Uh, I'm, well, I'm it's not all that bad, in my opinion. I've driven through there a number of times, and it's it's a fantastic place. Salt of the earth. Well, thanks, <laughs> there we go. That's salt very nice. Iowa nice. <laughs> well, coming to you from Newport Beach, of course, where it's uh, not salt of the earth, but it's fantastic, of course. So we've all got the things we, yeah, we've all got some advantages and disadvantages. We do, we do, and 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 Max and I are both in in what uh, the rest of the country would call flyover country, right? So <laughs> Charmaine would go over Max and me to go see yep. ball, basically, is what we're doing there. All right, enough of you know geography and U.S. whatever. Uh, first story comes to us uh, actually from our website. AVI SPL announces agreement to acquire SKC Communications. Now, pause for one minute. Um, this comes one week after we just talked about the SCN top 50, uh, which no, no surprise SPL was on the top of that list. Uh, also sidebar and a hundred percent, um, uh, statement here, uh, Avian, Aviation and I work for, uh, conference technology, CTI integrator out of St. Louis. So understand that as I go into this, uh, but AVI SPL. CEO says, quote, unquote, SKC has built deep relationships across its loyal customer base, offering best of breed UCC enterprise enablement. We're thrilled to partner with such an incredibly talented team and welcome them to AVI SPL. Charmaine, I'm going to start with you on this. Not that uh, not that SPL didn't have a presence in Kansas City, right? So that was the first interesting part. You look at them at a, an acquisition like this, typically, especially the size of SPL, you go, okay, 
what were they missing, right? What what didn't they have that, you know, an acquisition like this adds to their portfolio? So I'll ask you, what didn't they have that this that this makes sense? What they did have is a deeper penetration in what you call flyover country, right? So <laughs> they had a presence in the Midwest, absolutely. But SKC Communications has a deep presence within the Midwest, not to mention their uh, processes for project delivery is just really strong. They have a lot of great uh, field engineers and techs, and they have a good process. So with that said, it was an amazing acquisition, one that took me by surprise, by the way. I was like, what? Wait a minute. Wow. Okay. This is great. Um, now they're going to have that deeper presence in the Midwest where there's a lot of new AV projects in different markets and new markets developing in the Midwest. You know, uh, I went to Total Tech Summit uh, that was sponsored by Commercial Integrator a few weeks ago. And one thing that I came out of that summit with is there's a lot of cannabis businesses that are doing AV like no tomorrow. So that's definitely in flyover country in SKC territory. They are a part of that. AVISPL, that's a good capture. They can now really get into that. And um, they're going to deepen their customer base and their reach within the Midwest. All right, Paul, same kind of question here. Paul, Paul has an interesting career in general and a trajectory to where he's at now in, in a software. In a previous life before the software, he also used to be an integrator. So take it either from your, from your um, manufacturer software side or your, your days as an integrator. What do, what do mergers or acquisitions rather like this mean to you uh, where you sit? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Well, uh, frankly, it's funny because we've been talking to SKC for the last six months really strong. Well, no, for the last year, really strong. And then about four months ago, they suddenly got very, very quiet. And now we know why, of course. So so there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of sadness on our side because because we're very, uh, you know, we love that relationship that was that was blossoming. Um, but uh, it's funny, you know, the question you asked Shermaine earlier was what did they have that they didn't, you know, what did they have that they can get through this acquisition? The cynical guy in me uh, says, well, what they didn't have was more separation between number two and three and so on on SCN Top 50, oh. you know, and, and because this has been a crazy, crazy year. And, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of the Top 50 and, and so many of them, as always have, continue to get gobbled up, you know, and continue to that that leading pack continues to to feel like they need to um, to, you know, acquire to, to keep that hold. And that's completely valid. Nothing wrong with that, um, you know, but you're also dealing in a climate where you've got Google's and Amazon's really being beat up for being so big. And now you've got uh, customers that used to have more bidding contractors having less bidding contractors. They got to go further down the list to get those bidding contractors. So that's the cynical side of me. Uh, the capitalist in me says this is actually fantastic. And echoing on the flyover countries, uh, that, that base is absolutely reinforced. So I do agree with that. And, uh, you know, there'll be some people probably left without work, but then they'll find other work. And uh, that's how things go. Um, and uh, it's progress. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I tend to have this crazy cynical bent for being a true capitalist and, a, and, a, and, a, and an entrepreneur, right? Uh, wouldn't I want to buy up everybody? Of course I would. So forget what I say about that. That's just me. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's how I think. Yeah, absolutely. Really quickly, Paul, and I, I, I love Cory Doctorow. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. He has a new book out on, on the monopolies of 
uh, the 1980s, uh, actually out or coming out. Uh, a guy that I follow on Twitter just mentioned it the other day. So talking about that very thing, right? The bigger ones getting bigger and some of the some of the political wranglings that happened in the U.S. and made that possible. And I'm an old media guy and I have my own two cents about, you know, the fact that we all we basically work for Disney now. Uh, Max, uh, uh, question here off of what Paul said. I actually met and brought this up last week when we were talking um, with Mark Pescatore from, from STN about the, the the spread there between number one and number 50, right? You've got one and a half billion dollars down to 10 million, right? You do have the bigger folks getting bigger. The vast majority of, of the top 10 are private equity, you know, and the smaller, the, the, the lower end of the, of the 50 are, are, you know, smaller, you know, uh, privately held businesses. What does a acquisition like that do to the landscape of, you know, really the business of AV? Yeah. So when, when we, you look from an NSCA approach, one of the big things that we talked about before pre-COVID was industry consolidation and how important it is for us as a growing industry as we're getting into the IT space. Um, so to me, this is a, it's an important thing. It's very, very, uh, very healthy. Hopefully we're getting back to a healthy environment. Um, and are things getting back to normal? That's the big question uh, after the pandemic. And I think so. This is really exciting for us at NSCA. And the real question that I like to pose is who's next? Okay. Since before we go, because you, you, you started this, Max. I'll, I'll give any of the three of you a swing at this. Who's next? I plead a fifth. And not yeah, I to say. SPL. I, I'm not asking who SPL is going to buy. I'm just going to say who's next. Ha. Huh. Maybe something in the East, I think. Probably a small or mid company in the East for the fact that a lot of companies on the other side, uh, the left of flyover country, are trying to make their way to the East market more and more. So I'm thinking that could happen. I know a lot of uh, talks have been happening from West to East because they want to expand their business East. So might might kick up, um, I suspect, someone in the East. All right, we'll, 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 we'll leave that one there. Uh, actually, speaking of SDN, our friends over at SDN, we, which we got to hang out with this week uh, for the AV Nation, uh, AV Network Nation uh, virtual event on Thursday. You can still register for that. You can still watch uh, some really smart people uh, and me ask dumb questions to smart people. Uh, but uh, they uh, have a story here about uh, Extron. Uh, ShareLink Pro uh, has an upgrade. Extron is a, is a sponsor of AV Nation. This upgrade gives the, the ShareLink Pro the ability to, to be to double as a uh, as a digital signage player, um, which is interesting to me for, for a number of reasons. First of all, um, they are one of six, seven companies off the top of my head and a little bit of research that have done this over the, like, the last, let's say the last two years, where they have taken an appliance that already exists uh, in, a, in a closet, in a rack somewhere, and they said, okay, here's a software upgrade. Here's a, here's a firmware upgrade. Here's, here's a software upgrade. Now it does this. And primarily, those upgrades have been turning those into digital signage. Uh, Teams is going down this road. Zoom is going down this road. Uh, a number of other hardware manufacturers. Charmaine, I'm going to start with you on this. It, 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 is the digital signage market that robust? Is it, is it that ripe for, for uh, domination where all these traditional AV manufacturers, right, are saying, hey, here's an opportunity for us to do a value add, I guess? to the space and go, hey, we, we can play digital signage too. 
yes. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. So yes, yes, it is. It is that right. What's happened since uh, the pandemic is, and even a little before the pandemic, you know, a lot of clients were entertaining more digital signage to, you know, bolster up engagement within the corporate office, right, within their spaces, you know, to get out messages, to get out information. But now with the pandemic, that has accelerated like three, five, tenfold. So right, right now, a lot of clients are, you know, doing this because the consultants, as I keep telling everyone, they never stopped working during the pandemic. They're the only ones that never stopped working. <laughs> and they have been recalibrating a lot of their designs to factor this value add in. So it's a big thing that the consultants have been working through over the pandemic, you know, factoring this digital signage component and redesigning some of the things and factoring it in now. And the manufacturers who speak to them a lot are starting to find, you know, the consultants are, you know, giving these asks and like, okay, what can I do? So a lot of manufacturers, absolutely. It's, it's something that the corporate environment, you know, to, for better engagement for people who are in the offices are now more spaced out, right? To make sure you could take most appliances and create digital signage where they could push that anywhere in the environment. Paul, and we mentioned the fact that JetBuild is, is, is software. What does that process look like when Charmaine was talking about how integrators, is give, is, they're giving feedback to the manufacturers, how the clients, the end users are giving feedback to the manufacturers. What does that process look like to you, a software manufacturer, right, who, who's needing to, to kind of push things through and go, okay, that makes sense to me. Now, this is that process. This is when you can expect this next iteration or this next you know, uh, feature set. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, because, uh, yeah, in some respects, it's kind of like the, the, uh, the, the community, like the tail wagging the dog in one respect, right? When you have the, the end users uh, crying out for things and then it works its way up into a feature set. But that's also always been done. You know, the, the uh, companies respond to the demand. Uh, and, and we try to do that just, you know, uh, the best we possibly can to answer to what the the uh, uh, the, 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 the the end users are are asking for. Uh, I think this is a, a fantastic example of that and one that I think is done through licensing rather than a new box is what's the most fascinating thing to me, uh, you know, as I understand uh, the release. And, and uh, of course, you can license these other features. Uh, as well through that technology, but the idea that uh, you know as an integrator, and although we did more uh, live performance systems, uh, fine arts and house of worship, we we had a good number of of corporate clients and doing conference systems, and we would be uh, literally adding um, box on top of box with matrix switchers and servers in order to 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 bring signage into a conference room, right? Um, and then routing that through some kind of a QSIS or Extron processor to to do the switching, so that when the room's free, now you can go back to signage. So I think the the functionality is fantastic, and uh, but the fact that they've uh, that they're bringing it in the same box you've already got behind the TV or you already got in the room, uh, which is which is hard for a, 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 a manufacturer, right? Because they want to sell boxes and they got to sell more boxes and they just cost themselves whatever the, you know, two, three thousand dollar box. Um, but licensing clearly, you know, uh, everybody from from QSIS and so forth, uh, selling licenses like 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 what I love doing, you know, it, it, there's power there. And so and then you get more fans. Okay, so let me let me push back slightly on this. And Max, I'm going to give you a, a, just a second, but but something you said there, Paul. Could it not be that they, I, I and I, I say this because as I, I said this yesterday, I think on 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 the Avian Network Nation, 
where this is a feature set that they're adding to an existing box simply because they can. So instead of selling more boxes, they're selling more hardware eventually, right? And I, I contend that a number of manufacturers are looking to software solutions to supplant the hardware. And what I mean by that is you, you live it, you're in Newport Beach, right? You can probably look out your window and see the miles upon miles of cargo ships that are just waiting to get into, into Long Island, right? Manufacturers, AV and otherwise, are looking to get rid of those and not rely on those anymore and still make money. So if I can if I can replace a box with a piece of software, why don't I do that? No, I think you're it's, you're exactly right. It's fantastic. Other than the amount of money they can make on a new two thousand dollar box is more than a one or two hundred dollar license, right? That's all I'm saying. I don't know the numbers. I don't know the margins. But but you're you're right. They I believe you gain the fans, and so you get more adaption to your brand because you've done this. And so now more consultants perhaps are going to say, you know what? Then I'm moving more more of these for next year. That sells more boxes. And then, of course, the existing clients are even that much more happy to stay with the brand rather than the other brand that maybe did the same thing. So, no, I, I agree with you. I just I know it's a hard move for manufacturers who oh, yeah. want to move those boxes. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and the, the boxes, let me be, be frank, the boxes are still sitting on the cargo ships, right? And they're still they sitting on the cargo ships. And they still need to sell them, right? I'm so it's a way to deliver functionality without having to rely on those ships. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but to jump in a little bit, the manufacturers mm -hmm. also, as you said, Paul, they want to keep their a consistent tie with the customer, right? Recurrent, um, stay sticky with the customer. So this is another way for them to just stay sticky. A lot of manufacturers now have spun up their own software, right, to do something like that. So um, it's kind of falling in line. It's like they're going, it's much faster. They're falling in line with that, which started, again, before the pandemic. And they're like, okay, makes sense now. We want to keep them with us. And when we come out, boxes later you know they're with us and we could just add on no i absolutely believe uh, agree and sorry max we're stepping on this you'll get your uh but but i totally echo that you know at jetbelt we're constantly that that glue is really important provide the value and that gives you the glue i would believe that that uh um uh uh 10% revenue today, if you've got glue, is worth more than, than 100% if it's a one-time, right? Because everybody wants recurring and the license, not that this license is a, is a regular recurring expense, but you're buying glue, right? And I believe that, that glue is far more important because the, the customers will swap. I mean, I, I pulled a big university off of, off of one uh, you know, leading uh, processor to another whole brand on a project. And they're talking about thousands and thousands of units. So glue is very, very important. You got a good point. Yeah. All right, Max, uh, take a look at from from a, from the digital signage standpoint. I, I mentioned the fact that this is not the first and it probably isn't the last uh, traditional AV manufacturer that's getting into the digital signage space. What What is it about that space that is so uh, attractive or, or so inviting to yeah. traditional AV? Yeah, when you look at reports that like we've created here, uh, digital signage is actually our number one primary system that our integrators are installing. So it makes sense wait, for wait, 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 wait. really. Yeah, it's uh, from our financial analysis of the industry. Digital signage was the number one reported primary system slash technology, followed by uh, audio sound and reinforcement, and the nurse call and life safety. So it makes sense while why they're jumping into this space. Um, and then also helps with the whole side on the service agreement side is adding the service, this feature set as a, as a service bundle for the integrator to sell. Okay, I, I do not get stumped or, or I do not have a <laughs> lack of words or, or loss for yeah. words very often. That is absolutely shocking. 
Yeah, if you check out the 2021 report, I can send it after this call for you. <laughs> send it to Mitchell. Send it to Mitchell. Put it on. No, seriously, send it to Mitchell. He'll put a link on, on this episode's page because that is not saying that y'all don't know how to do digital signage. Don't misunderstand. But the fact that it's the number one revenue is 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 a little bit shocking to me. Okay. And just that's the feature set of or the the group of integrators that we have as members. That was the report. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, final a story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine, which the last time I got to hang out with Paul, that's who we were hanging out with uh, for the AV, uh, AV Awards. Talking about record vacancies, uh, record vacancies uh, in AV uh, is looking for, is, is, is aiming and, and changing the way people are recruiting. Graham Massey, who we know, uh, looking uh, of uh, talking about uh, service jobs for Jacobs Massey, uh, says what we're finding is that we're actually filling more roles than ever, ironically, but with fewer candidates. Now say that again. Graham Massey is, Jacobs Massey, which is the company, that the recruiting company, they're filling more roles, but with fewer candidates. For instance, hypothetically, you used to have 20 to 30 applicants for a position. Now you may have five to 10. Charmaine, this program 10 years ago, probably 10 years ago when we started, was talking about recruitment and education and, and, and AV. And 10 years later, we're still talking about it. How do we get in this current environment, not just more applicants, but more applicants that are, you know, just not just qualified, but also kind of excited about the industry? In other words, this is an age old question. How do we get, you know, young people in the next generation, you know, applying for, for, for jobs in AV? You ready? You ready for the three answers? Yes. Education, education, and education. <laughs> so this is what I mean by the three answers. Education first, um, educating the talent pool, people who are looking for jobs that have some tech acumen about AV. You know, that's one of the things we don't do enough in this industry. We don't advertise who we are, what our career paths are, what opportunities exist for people to come to our industry. The second thing is education for the people who are here to further advance and progress them so they can take these other opportunities and move on. The problem that we're having in um, AV nowadays is we have so many openings, but not enough knowledgeable talent that can take them but then you have a lot of entry-level talent also the compounded that wants a higher salary now for not having as much knowledge and, and that's that's what we're running into now I think as an industry and the third part of education is you know the integrators have to find a way to you know do a, a track of elevation of education with the employees they have because what's happening now with all the acquisitions we talked about earlier, you know, the AVISPLs, Diversified and HB, all yep. they're doing right now is they're looking to poach and, and get people and hire people. So they're going to take away from other integrators to augment their team and they're going to pay high dollar for it. So those integrators are going to be left with a void and they're going to have, you know, people that aren't able, they don't have a track of education to elevate the employees to fill some of those voids and move up the ladder. So education is, is going to be for the industry to educate the world about opportunities. There's a lot of people that can come in to our industry that will bring some of that IT acumen and learn the AV, which is, you know, not a hard learning curve and help, you know, not only 
augment our industry, but give us some additional, you know, things we didn't have before. And then education within the respective AV firms to really, you know, help give and that knowledge. It's all about giving that, getting that knowledge about ourselves out and then the knowledge on the technical level on, you know, moving the people up. I know that was long-winded, but... No, and, and I, I like that. You, you're right. You, we do have to educate, uh, obviously, you know, the baseline education, but also telling others, others about this industry. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned the fact that, that Paul has an interesting um, background and, and, and pathway to where he is now, uh, because just like 99% of you, the first time I met Paul, uh, well, the, the second time I met Paul, the first time we talked about Infocom or whatever, the, the inevitable question comes up is how you got involved in AV. Right. How'd you get into this industry? And, and Paul, again, does have an interesting buy him a drink. He'll tell you all about it, including ending up in the studio that recorded Thriller. Um, just saying, um, how do you get folks involved? Like, how do you pull people, Paul? Well, you know, it's, it's the craziest thing because, yeah, you know, my path to AV was through being a rock star. A, a, aspiring rock star, excuse me, early on, uh, you know, having a good run with my bands, but that leading me into record production and then recording uh, albums here in L.A. Uh, um, and uh, um, and then but, you know, then when I get into family life and, and kids, then the the all night studio is not, you know, a good path. And I wind up getting asked by a few churches and restaurants to look at their AV systems. And next thing I knew, I was kind of AV integrator but so but then i find out you know what i'm not the only person who's that's their been their path because as i talk to uh integrators every single day through 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 my company it seems like 90 percent of them was a guitar player or this or that or they were hanging lights in a theater growing up or this or that right so we've got this industry um that that so many people don't know about, right? You know, when you because I remember raising money for JetBuild and investors are going AV. So you're talking about like the guy that hung the TV on my in my living room. I'm going well, yeah, it can be that that guy, but it can also be the people hanging, you know, the Staples Center uh, systems, right? So, but they're like, oh yeah, I never thought of that being an industry, right? And I think so many new. Uh, so many new talent, they understand what it's like to get into a general construction or elect electrical or whatever other uh, like installation trade, but they're just AVs like off their radar. So, so there's a bit of education about the industry, I think that, you know, but here's the crazy thing. The, the opposite side of that coin is the fact that the AV industry is filled with so many passionate, passionate people. You know, they grew up hanging these light fixtures in their in their theater and they just love it and they do it today. Or they, they grew up playing guitar here in a great sound system. They want to do that today. Or they grew up doing whatever, uh, screwing around with computers and they love making these conference systems work. So I think while we've got this weird little bubble that people may not be aware of as much on the wide scale, those that are in it, are hugely passionate about it more than most right um more than most people get into being a doctor or a lawyer right that that's not something they're as passionate about that's just the path they chose uh for whatever other reasons so so but how do you get more uh people to understand what we do and i don't know if there's an answer to that that's an interesting thing I've, i know every industry is dealing with the same problem of course about recruits but but we're in this weird little bubble that not a lot of people know i gotta shut off because i talked too long the last You're talk fine, dude. if i could add so taking those passionate people maybe we can take that group of passionate people and push them into places where we're not typically looking let's jump to the high school level let's get in front of the juniors and seniors and start talking about maybe apprenticeship programs uh, when you look at a school in Iowa, like I went to, the only two type of associations or organizations that came to me as a senior was a four-year university or a military. 
So I didn't see any integrators. I didn't see any uh, low voltage guys coming to me and asking me for jobs. I think that would be a, a great spot for us to look is at the high school level and then getting even more granular, looking at the college level, looking at the engineering schools, the Cornell universities, shout out to Andy Bernard from the office, uh, Georgia Tech, Iowa State. Those are different schools that we should also look at from, a, from an engineering standpoint. Yeah, fantastic point about the high schools because you've got hundreds of thousands of kids right now hanging lights, setting up mics, you know, programming this and that, and they're loving it. But how many of them actually think, this is what I could do for my life? Maybe 10% of them think that there's actually work out there, short of like working in a theater, doing the production work. But in terms of installing those systems and designing those systems, probably almost none of them would think that, right? Uh, my right. kids love the theater and, and, and they don't think that, uh, even though their dad did AV for so many years. They just, you know, they're thinking of what most kids think of. They want to be the person on the stage or they want to maybe run those shows. But getting into the AV side, maybe they think of it as like that, that becomes your backup plan later when that, that kind of is how a lot of us got into it. But but um, yeah, going to those, what a fantastic idea. Look at some of these massive companies you're talking about. If they send teams of people to high schools to start talking, this could be your path, right? Now, not to take away from many of them should still go through college first, obviously, especially if you want to get into the office side of, of AV, but if you, to be an installer to start or whatever, concept is, what a great idea. And also another thing is not just colleges and high schools, but other tech-like industries, like telecom, for example. A lot of people who work for the Verizon, the, um, the Time Warners, you know, there's not a lot of growth in the career path that they're doing. The techs that are in the field, you know, commissioning lines and telephony and IT and network. And once you get a taste of, that's how I came into the industry. I came in from that side. And once I said, oh, wow, this is interesting. They don't want to keep, you know, they don't want to keep doing the same old thing over and over again. AV, not only are we passionate, we're creative as hell. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, my best two installers that I ever had at my AV company, one came from IT, the other came from general construction, both of which were like, they were doing those jobs and they were really skilled at that, but there was zero creativity there. And they, they always, they, and I met them both on jobs and they're like seeing us do cool things. And we like shut the building down, there's lights and there's crazy stuff. They're going, you guys get to do the fun stuff. I'm like, you know what? We need people come to us, right? So you're, that's a great point, uh, Charmaine, that, that, that uh, that's an awesome place to, to grab them from. Yeah, they like that create, especially the millennials, they wanna do creative stuff. All right, uh, that is gonna do it for us. Thank you all so much, uh, Charmaine Charla. From Varix, how do people connect with you or Varix if they're so inclined? If you want to connect with me, check me out on LinkedIn, Charmaine Torella, last name T-O-R-R-U-E-L-L-A. You can also find me on Twitter as well. And my Gmail, which is charm, C-H-A-R-M, dot my last name at gmail.com. And happy holidays from the Varix holiday party. Happy holidays. Very cool. I, that may, this may be the very first time that we had somebody from a, from a holiday party. Uh, Mr. Dexter, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. How do people connect with you or JetBuilt? Well, thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, LinkedIn, Paul Dexter. Uh, I, I believe that's my little handle. Although if not, you'll see me there listed by JetBuilt, J-E-T-B-U-I-L-T. And of course, JetBuilt.com. And uh, thanks so much for having me. That's been great. And yes, happy holidays to everybody. And, uh, and uh, it's going to be a great one after COVID. A better one since last year. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Mr. Johnson, thank you, sir. Uh, tell, tell Tom that he's not fired. So you did fantastic. <laughs> uh, but how do people connect with you or NSCA? 
Yep, catch me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I'm not very active on Twitter, and not quite the AV tweet level. Neither is neither is LeBlanc either. So <laughs> we got to work on that here at NSCA. You both do, yes. But uh, yep, catch me at NSCA.org as well. M Johnson is Max Johnson at NSCA.org. All right, very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters because at this point, I am just bemoaning the fact that I'm a Bears fan. Uh, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Last week, we talked about it. It is going full uh, full storm ahead. Uh, the Aviation uh, Annual AV, uh, Readers, uh, the Aviation Readers' Choice Awards two-step process. This step, The first step is the nomination. This is when you go out and you say, ah, this is this person and I want to do this, and I think this is fantastic. Go on there, nominate whoever you want. Come the 1st of January, we will tabulate all of them, put them together, uh, and it'll be a three-round uh, bracket type system where number eight will go against number one and bada bada boom. And uh, by the time ISC rolls around, we will uh, nominate, we will uh, crown our winners for that. Uh, all sorts of things, some really great, a couple of really great new categories, and of course the uh, the annual Aviation uh, AV Tweeps uh, um, um, of the AV Tweep of the Year uh, will, will be announced as well. Also, check out a couple uh, specials we have going coming down the pipeline. Um, our annual uh, end of the years, taking a look at the biggest stories that we had uh, in 2021, uh, both for myself as well as our buddy Matt Scott over at Resi Week. So check all that out and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>